you got me now. I know you got me now. I know you got me now. Followed you up and down. Followed you up and down. Followed you up and now I don't love. Hey, the Bene boys are back. What up, oh? We here. What's going on, man? Good, man. Good. We're on our 11th episode. We hitting double digits now. We prime. Wow. Wow. Teenage podcast. How do you feel? Um, I feel good as it's, you know, at this teenage stage, that means puberty's coming. Expect us to go left, right, zigzag. You know? (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like that as a teenager, like left, right. Zigzag everywhere growing up. Couldn't couldn't stay in one place at all. Nah, bro. Benin boys is um we're in our adolescence, but it's it's coming of age for sure. And on our eleventh episode, double digit double digits. We gotta say it's what June that we're recording it, so it's summertime. We outside yeah, in blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro. You outside? You been outside? I mean, what what did you been up to, bro? Uh, so have I been outside? I'm gonna lie to you. During the pandemic, I've did do like brunches a little bit here and there, but it wasn't like excessive. It was just like with me and my girlfriend and another person. But uh-huh. last week, Saturday, we were like outside, outside. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I was, you know, I was with you. Uh, we were in New York City, um, met up with a ton of folks we haven't seen in a long time to celebrate uh, our homeboy's 30th birthday. Uh, our good good friend uh of the Blank Agenda podcast, Ethan. Yep. Uh we he's a big thirty now, bro. You know, and uh, know. it was a good it was a good way to, you know, get back get back to the world. Um I had a fantastic time, man. That was a that was uh first bottomless in a real long time. Oh, I I I loved it being back outside. First of all, it was great. So let it be a disclaimer. Oh, he and I got our vaccine. We are vaccinated. Um, True. We, don't, we, not, we don't force people to get their vaccine. I think, True. I personally, in my opinion, think everybody should be vaccinated, but it's on everybody's own um, preference and choice. But I think me getting being vaccinated allowed me to break down my walls a little bit to be comfortable mm-hmm. being back outside. With this, we weren't just outside like with brunch with our friend Ethan and just sitting. We were like actually inside uh, a building. Um, what's the place called? I forgot what it's called. But with other We were at people, uh, the DL uh, on the Lower East yeah. Side. The DL where we could con- we were congregating with other people. Yes, there was like spacious, but it didn't, they didn't have the six foot six feet rule. It was like, here's your section, here's your section right next to it. But I did like being back outside. The only bad part was the weather. Yeah, man. Uh I don't know what the fuck happened. We just, it just feels like we got done so dirty. So, you know, obviously springtime's here. Um, people have been getting back out. The weather has been amazing. I, I would say like the average weather over the past month, maybe five weeks, was like average high 70s, maybe get got up into the 80s. But it was like beautiful. And in the lead up to this brunch, we both, we know that the brunch is happening for like a month in advance, maybe more than that. We're just excited to get to the end of May so we can all see each other and shit. And as like maybe like a week, a week and a half before <laughs> I see that the 30th, uh, that Saturday is was going to be like raining. We're like, all right, I saw rain 
I was like, all right, it's not really a big deal. If it's warm, we'll, you know, we'll still do our thing. And it might not even rain like the whole day or whatever. I'm like, you know, cool, cool. But like as each day is passing and we're checking, I'm checking the weather, it just shows the high for the day getting lower and lower. I think by the <laughs> by the time the day comes with this brunch, it's like the high for that day, what was it, bro? Probably like in the mid fifties. Fifties, what? Maybe, I'm maybe. I'm thinking forties, fifties. It was nah, bro, because it was brick. It was yeah. real cold. In addition to the rain, it was like October type weather, and yeah, yep. um, that really just put a damper on everything. Just because you know, folks were ready to pop out. Um, it, we still. I mean, I really don't think it it ruined any of our plans all that much. But you know, you when you are you drinking and you out with your folks, you would certainly feel so much better if you know what I'm saying. You didn't have to bundle up and carry yeah. an, um, an umbrella. So it's funny because same way when we were checking the weather, it was actually my girlfriend that told me that it was going to be bad. I was like, "Whoa, hold up! I'm thinking like it's going to be nice, cool." First, I thought we were going to be on some rooftop. Don't I don't know why I was thinking that. But um, I thought it was gonna be nice. So my girlfriend I had the impression of a rooftop too, bro. I don't know. <laughs> Summertime. I think when I looked the place, up, I looked the place up on IG, and I was like, okay, I see a whole lot of sun. It, it gave me Ozio's vibes. Everyone, everyone yeah. we spoke to when we we went in there. If you're from DC or if you uh, spent time in DC, you know Ozio's. This place was just like that. Oh, RIP Ozio's. Matter of fact, because I don't even think that. Wait, but that's funny though. I was just I just spoke to somebody and they said they were going to Ozio's like. Really? Yeah. So I, I, thought, I thought that was one of the pandemic like casualties. Oh, I, I don't know. I could be. I don't have my ear to the street in DC like that anymore. But I thought they were closed. And I feel like I saw someone posted on Instagram like I'm heading to Ozio's. But maybe Ozio's did come back. Maybe it did not. All I know is that it was brick. My girlfriend wanted to show her legs. She was afraid because it was cold. She didn't want to. I said, "Look, show your look. Show your legs. I'm showing my arms." Um. I'm gonna not, I'm gonna not let this weather change my outfit. Like I'll ask you to the store to buy these outfits, right? You to wear it? No, we're gonna do it. And it's That's funny because everybody who came to the brunch, people who we saw there were in like it looked like there was like the weather was not gonna change how my right. outfit I was going. Right. And I right. Like that that didn't surprise me. I was like, I mean, I'm not from New York, but I figured from what I've seen, the way people move out here when it was snowing mm-hmm. and shit last winter, this past winter. And it was like the last day before restaurants had to go completely like no take no takeout, no dine-in or anything like that. People were sitting in the snow to eat at their favorite places. So from what I can tell in New York, if folks feel like being out, they are going to do that shit and look the way they want to look regardless. So to be yeah. honest with you, it was a good time. I want to spend this summer brunching every weekend. That's how you feel. Yeah, you trying to get you trying to you trying, the streets you trying to answer this call of the streets. Yeah, we gotta make up from like twenty twenty. <laughs> like I you, bro. Like I like I can't. I have to go every week with just like either brunch with my friends. We just gotta do sun every every weekend. I can't have a weekend where I'm just at home. No, I feel you on that. Um, we we lost. Feels like we we just got a lot to make up for. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. Uh, I feel that, and you know what? The weather is good. We we gotta. I know as long as I'm in the city or around, we'll be doing something. Yep. Cause well, I just need my neck, my back to heal, and then so. Yeah, you wanna you wanna tell the people about that? 
So last week, not only was the weather bad, the next day after, so probably as a result of the weather, actually. Yeah. So last week, we had brunch with our friend Ethan on Saturday. So on Sunday, my girlfriend and I were heading to Jersey City to see O and his girlfriend and hang out. I'm on the highway. I come out the Lincoln Tunnel. I see like, we passed by like two car crashes, like intense. So I'm thinking like, oh, wow. People are driving crazy out here. So we got off the highway. We got like past this roundabout on like Tonell Avenue to that leads to your crib. So we wait at the traffic light, right? With three cars behind the traffic light, just waiting. Next, you know, me and my girl feel like huge impact on our vehicle from the rear end. Yo, bro, I was scared. I was like, I don't know what was going on. I thought it was a truck that hit me. That's how crazy, I, how bad the impact was. Turn around, look at my rear view. I see smoke coming. I'm like, oh, smoke coming out of my car. They hit where the gas area is. So I'm thinking like, oh, um, this car might explode. Then the car that hit us from the back reverses, hit another car, and drive off. So me and my girl was in a hit and run. Jesus, man. And Geico told me they total my car's been totaled. So I have to get a new car. They're going to pay me what the value is. Um the value what I'm gonna I'm getting is just three k less what I bought for my car, but I'm still frustrated that my car is gone. Um, my girlfriend and I sustained neck um, sprain, a back lower back sprain, and headaches, which has gone away a little bit, but arises when I focus too much. Like when I went to the office yesterday to work, and I was just like intense trying to do my work. I felt the headache coming. It's just it's crazy, bro. Mm. It's crazy, Dang, bro. Well, we glad you're safe. We glad that you're healthy. That yeah, both of y'all, you know, didn't sustain anything, anything more serious than what it could have been. Uh, I hope that we record. We this is you know goes into the record for when uh the, the suit comes, <laughs> and you know you're going to seek your damages. Oh, we seeking damages. I hired a I hired a lawyer on Tuesday. Blood oh, like quick. Like, <laughs> You know, it's the scariest thing, though, because I'm the fifth person from my Queens and District Attorney's office that's been in a car accident in less than six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if that place is cursed. I don't know what's going on, but it's crazy. I, it's mm. crazy. I'm not going to speak to it. All I know is that me and my girlfriend should not be paying any money through this experience. If I'm paying something, that's a problem. I'm Y'all fighting. can't see it. Y'all can't see it right now, but I'm got a neck brace on in the in our <laughs> recording right now. He's in real. He's in real pain. <laughs> nah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm glad but, you're good. I'm glad you're good though, man. Yeah, I'm glad. You know, I'm glad that I'm a uh, I'm alive. My girlfriend and I are alive. You know, we have like a sprain, but there's no bone injuries, no lacerations, nothing. Um. But my mom says I, I look angry every day, and I, I am, man, I am. Like the dude, the the person who hit us fucked up my whole shit. You know, mm. I had to take off from work, and taking off from work from the prosecution office is very tough because you have cases coming at you every day. You got cases to finish. He fucked up my he or she fucked up my plan for that week. Fucked up my car, and then actually me and my trainer we had like we're about to get ready for like my. I had the summer plan program to start mm-hmm. this June. Can't do it now. I got to push that into July until I feel healed because I can't move. Like, I tried running for the bus today after coming back from the office. Yo, my neck set. No, you're not. Dang. 
<laughs> so I had to walk. You know, like I have to walk everywhere. I can't run really. Man, yeah, bro. That's a rough one. That's a, r- a rough go of it, bro. But you know, keeping you uh, keeping you prayed up, and hope that you uh, y'all recover soon. Yeah, and talking about you know that's true. But talking about rough, rough. Look, we got injured, but one thing I know that's that hasn't been rough for me is being kicked off any platform. You know, like oh yeah, yeah. Let's get into that. First, have you ever been kicked off a platform before? Nah, I I don't even think. Have you ever had like a post of yours like even reported? I was I'm just thinking about some shit like that. Like I've no. never gotten in any kind of social media trouble. I don't think because I don't post. Oh no, you know what? You know what? Back, Back when Trump was, this <laughs> 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 is not even a real story. Uh, I just am like recalling like, like back when Trump um was like probably. First, about to be elected, I probably had like one of my tweets reported for, you know, like rude or abusive language or some shit like that. But that's it. I've never been kicked off a platform or suspended or anything like that. I've never been in Twitter jail uh, <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> you know, explicit content on IG or nothing like that. No, I, I, I don't post my inner thoughts on social media because if I did, I would be banned for life. So I just oh shit! Why you got a podcast then, bro? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's nah, that's so funny that you say it like that because this is all Twitter is. You know, it's just a lot of shit posting. Like, I mean, I admit that's definitely a way I use it. It's just you know some random shit that you might talk about, but also like you know you could be introspective or. Just give your thoughts on some. I'm, I'm mostly talking about TV and music. If I had to really, if I had to kind of quantify it, but no, nah, I wouldn't say my inner thoughts, man. But yeah, you know, never. I, I never uh, got in any issues with it though. Yeah, wow. So the reason why Ohi and I brought up this Twitter ban and everything, well, because we are the Benny Boy Podcast. We have two fellow Nigerians on the podcast. We are the founders of this podcast. And I think it's been a long time since we spoke about anything that happened in Nigeria. And right, a lot right. has been happening. I feel like this just made the big news because it was just... Well, you guys will understand why we, this became a big news. So the president of Nigeria, President Buhari, tweeted something. I can't remember what he tweeted. But Twitter banned him from Twitter because his tweet was so inflammatory. But he responds and bans Twitter from Nigeria. Right. And a lot of people are up in arms because, not because he got banned or that President Bahari got banned from Twitter. It's just that he made an announcement saying that he's banning Twitter from Nigeria. But people are saying that we have an emergency crisis in Nigeria that has not getting, that's not being talked about by the president. You have radical Islamist terrorists kidnapping kids, you know, the, killing people in northern Nigeria. You have the herdsmen and the farmers clashing over land in the middle of Nigeria. And in the south of Nigeria, you got the Igbos. You got some people of the Igbos trying to reclaim the um, and secede from Nigeria. And then you have the um, indigenous tribes and the river states also attacking oil oil fields, and then you have pirates in Nigeria. Um, pirates on the on um, 
on the sea on the coast of Nigeria. So it's just so much going on. And everybody's just like, but you want to make a public announcement about banning Twitter to Nigeria when we got to make an announcement on this? Like, what issues are you solving right now? Nigeria has, has gone through two recessions within five years. Two recessions within five years. Many Nigerians are fleeing the country through land, heading to Europe over the Mediterranean Sea. You know, it's just, at some point, I was reading the news, people call Nigeria a failed state. Some people don't think it's a failed state, but a lot of people are raising alarm saying that Nigeria is a failed state. Yeah, bro. So essentially you you um summarize the, the situation pretty well. Uh, I will I will uh, add to it. The tweet that Buhari uh was suspended for was something of a a threat towards the separatist groups. Mm. Um he kind of recalled the military action that he took where um back when he was uh the first time he became head of state in mm-hmm. uh, a military uh, coup, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he kind of called back to uh, the the treatment of the separatist groups uh, of the Igbo um, ethnic group at the time and threatened the same sort of acts or behavior. Military violence, I guess, is what I would describe it as. And Twitter, you know, suspended or deleted the tweet and suspended him for... Um, you know, inciting or abusive behavior or language. And uh, yeah, in response to that, <laughs> he's banned Twitter. And yeah, bro, I think that, you know, it feels like folks are kind of taking a, we're taking a reflective look back. I mean, we're constantly, you know, assessing and, and looking at how things are, are unfolding back home, but it feels like, like you said, we're taking all these collective things that have happened over the course of particularly Buhari's regime and wondering, like, why the fuck are things, why are we constantly in the news for the for wrong shit? Um, Nigeria is, uh, I think as a country right now, the government is struggling to be one that respects people's civil rights. And uh, it's a... Uh, you know, a failed state. I I would say that I, I don't think that that is. Um, I would say I don't think that that's an uh, an inaccurate assessment. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't think so. They say a failed state in sense of that is having issues that it cannot keep its people safe. That um, people are going missing, people are being killed. You know. Um, military um, locations are being are supposedly are being attacked by separatists. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Nigeria is a complicated country with a lot of issues. That, to be honest with you, I think you can't solve one ish all issues with one president. I think it will be successive presidents to solve everything. You know, you got to try to make the separatists feel like they're a part of Nigeria. That the whole of Nigeria is better than separate. Then you got to try to protect the people in the north. Um, try to get rid of the Islamic terrorism who are moving in between the borders of Mali, Nigeria, and um, Niger, and all that. Then you got to deal with the piracy in West of Africa that has grown since has grown since the 2010s. And people are saying that the piracy in the West of Africa is worse than it was off the coast of Somalia. 
and that is more difficult to solve that one because with Somalia, they had like no government. So it's easy for sometimes other nations to enter water to protect the ships and stop the pirates where Nigeria, while we call it a failed state, it's still a state with a sovereign land and waters. So they're not going to accept, you know, the United States or European countries entering the waters. Then you got to deal with the issues of climate change that are forcing farmers and herders to clash over land in the middle of Nigeria. Then you got to deal with um, like outside migration where people are leaving Nigeria, your, t- your best and talented are leaving to go to other countries. It's just, it's just so funny because it's like 10 years ago, you know, we were talking about countries, African countries that's on the rise, Nigeria, Ethiopia, those two big ones, South Africa, and 10 years later, all of them have issues. You know, Ethiopia is, we don't, has like an internal civil war. We don't, I can't really call it a civil war, but if you know what's going to Ethiopia and the Tigrays and Eritreans military within the Ethiopian borders, what's going on there and massacres, that's like Ethiopia 10 years ago was seen as like the future. Now we don't know what's going to happen to it. South Africa 10 years ago was seen as the future. You know, they hosted the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Now they're plagued by corruption, slow economic growth. Nigeria was seen as the future due to all these entrepreneurial Nigerians. To the point now, 10 years later, two recessions in five years, it's just it's just a mess. Um, I think to me, to me, I'll say that I know a country is healthy, an African country is healthy, especially democracy, is when transition of power. When Good Luck Jonathan lost... And exactly. Bahari came into power. There was no fight. There was no war. There was no, like, this was a fraud. He said, you won, you won. So the question for me, because I don't think Bahari's going to win, or if he tries to run. I don't I don't know if they could do three terms, but at the end of the day, the question is, if Bahari loses, say he's allowed to run, if he loses, will he be content, like, all right, I lost, let me go my way. To be honest with you, if I him, I tell him, yeah, you lost. You don't want to deal with this mess anymore. This is let someone else get gray hair for this, you know. So there's a lot going on, but banning Twitter, you said an inflammatory remark about. And let's be honest, the Nigerian, the Biafra Civil War was not seen. There was a lot of human rights violations. So for you to post a statement about like what happened in the past to use that, that is unhumane. You know, inhumane. Right. right. I I mean. It's quite obvious that I think that him banning, taking that measure to ban Twitter is less about his ability to say what he wants. Obviously, he was offended that, you know, they decided to suspend his account and stuff. But I also think that he recognizes the nuisance that the everyday citizens uh, have kind of become for him with respect to their use of Twitter and how protesters on the ground in Nigeria have really, you know, maximized the utility of their online presence. And it's a, I think he can live with or without it. I don't think he actually cares about tweeting, right? (laughs) Uh, The announcement that Twitter was banned came via Twitter. So, (laughs) but, you know, limiting access for the folks whom he is describing as, you know, causing violence towards the government and the police um, is much more, I think, the in line with, with his objective towards it. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, I just I'll be honest with you. I feel like my dad likes to talk like he has solutions. My middle sister likes to talk like he has. Solutions. Don't don't all our parents. I I I don't think nobody got a solution. It's too much going on. It's too much going on that one person can't come and fix. I think it was. I think for night. I think the way Nigeria Hill is going to be one president who says I'm going to focus all this getting rid of the piracy that's going at this eve on the coast of Nigeria. And then so then the next president be like, we're going to have that success trying to deal with the farmers and the herders clashing. So I just think, um, I, I was, I love the accountability that Nigerian people are giving the government. But I think, and one thing, you know, growing up learning America, I think if American politics taught me, especially democracy taught me is like tame expectations, you know, it, right. Presidents are good at like, focusing on one major issue and fixing right. it because they can't do it all. So it's like focus, like that main big issue. So if you feel like Boko Haram is a big issue, then make sure you have a president like, I'm gun-ho to end Boko Haram. And then the next president will come and you don't have to worry about that because they have done that. He's just worrying about maintaining their victories. And now his idea is like, okay, the biggest obstacle right now is the separatists. So let me try to unite Nigeria so the separatists mm-hmm. feel like they're part of it and they don't need to separate from um, the nation state, you know? And then the next president will build off those and then focus on that because there's so much going on. I was looking at it, it as like, damn, bro, how, you better quit. Shit, I'll quit. <laughs> nah, for real, because uh, I don't worry about, I really don't worry about him not wanting to see power. Like you said, it's a headache. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we expected, like you said, I think taming expectations and not yeah. even taming, just having realistic expectations about what one person can do, as we're even seeing here. Um, since our last election, you know, you got to kind of keep things in check. It's not bad, we're bad to be an optimist, but understand there's only so much that is human beings. Uh, yeah. But Buhari, yeah, he, he won't, he wouldn't be bothered to even... Uh, challenge any sort of thing if he lost re-election if he chose to even seek it i mean yeah. who wants to be bothered yep talking about taming expectations and taming expectations here in the united states i think we're learning that with the biden administration i think joe biden's learning that now too you know mm-hmm. uh, joe biden and the democrats had big plans coming in after trump was um beaten in the general election and I think, you know, Joe Biden got his um, COVID. His, he, Joe Biden has like three packages that he wants to pass. He passed his first one, the COVID-19 relief. But now he's facing pushback from Republicans in sense of the infrastructure bill. You know, he wants to spend right. over $1 billion on it. They gave out their response and said, we capped it at $500 billion. And... The expectation with Biden was like, he'll come in because he knows government, he's progressive, like he knows how to talk to Republicans, that they'll all agree, come together and create bipartisanship. And we're seeing there ain't no bipartisanship. The Republicans don't want to meet him. And if they do, it's more of like, this is our way, you know? We even see it with the, yeah. um, the voting rights bill that wants to be passed. You know, I think the Senate one is much more tamer than the House. But mm-hmm. even Manchin doesn't believe in that because the Republicans won't vote on it. But I just don't understand why people won't see these Republicans for what they really are, is that they don't care about multiracial progress. 
they see it as a harm. We see it with these critical race theories ban that says that the theory is teaching people white mm-hmm. people to hate. It's not teaching mm-hmm. white people to hate yourself. It's teaching that how race and the law have always been intertwined and affected people's daily lives. But it's not. But right. that's the thing. Like, so it's like taming the expectations. Like, oh, we're going to get this big um, progressive reform that you're going to see. You know, we got the COVID relief, but that's all they were going to give because at that time COVID was coming. Businesses wanted some money, but now things are back outside. Republicans are doubling down on culture wars. You know, Democrats are, they don't know what to do if they want to go all in and just be ruthless or still be bipartisan. But it just takes my expectation like, this is just like the Obama administration, you know. We got one bill passed and the others are hell married. Yeah, bro. Um, I feel like it is this, just the longest running delusion mm-hmm. that the Republicans, and I say this all the time, just like, to you're not dealing with a good faith opponent. Yep. You're not dealing with someone who respects the rules or even your right to play the game. Yep. That is the underpinning of everything that they do. And um, when they're in power, when they have legislative control, executive control, we see what they do. It's nothing but culture wars, nothing but BS topics that go like you know hang on catchphrases and negative connotations of people who we who they believe just are less than and don't deserve full respect for citizenship um it's very difficult to even want to engage in political talk or dialogue about that constantly when you know that it's not like i said good faith um <clears throat> joe manchin came out with an op-ed today and that's the reason we even brought it up because he has voiced his uh, refusal to support the For the People Act, which would you know overhaul um, voting rights legislation for the first time in half a century and update the formulations and stuff to make sure that the federal government acts as a check on these states that want to impede on the citizens' rights to vote. Um, Joe Manchin has said that the only reason he opposes this is because it's not a partisan. It's a, it's not a bipartisan effort. That, in other words, I recognize that voting is important and that it should be protected, but I will not support legislation to do so because the other side that's working against to undermine it is not on board with it. Um. That, and that's the thing that that pisses me off with that, right? Because it's like, of course, there's going to be people who are going to be against your bill. You know, there was people who are against Trump's tax cut, but they passed that. Even there was people against it. You know, they didn't say Democrats tried to want to input. They didn't their think stuff. of Joe Manchin. They, they didn't think Joe. Man- they didn't think about Joe Manchin's feelings. They didn't think about when they t- passed that huge tax cut. They weren't thinking, well, man, Joe Manchin doesn't really no one no one of the Democrats is on board with this. Like, how's this gonna look? What the hell, man? It just <laughs> it blows my mind. Like, the Republicans don't give a fuck. So why do you? Yeah, thank you. 
Um, Thank you. So I think that the, I don't know. I, I, w- I was just saying that I feel like I'm not sure if it's that he recognizes his ability to appear important because the Senate <laughs> has such slim margins at, at 50-50. Um, and basically one person can hold a whole legislative agenda hostage. hostage. Um, I'm not sure what the motivation is, but, you know, it's it. Uh, I feel like we're, I don't know, man, we talking in circles just because it's the same BS every time. Not it is the same BS because the Republicans, when they pass a bill, it's not really about, especially bills that they feel are party based symbolic, like the tax cuts. Mm-hmm. They don't really look for Democrat input. The question is, is this our bill that we all believe and coalesce and can surround? Like, this is what the people want. This is what we do. They're not looking. I feel like for smaller bills that that is not part of the culture wars that People don't think about all the day, like having disability reform, something like that. That's where they might look for bipartisanship. But things like they feel like they they uh, campaign on that's like passionate, that's party based. They just they trying to make it as right as the bill could be. It's what I personally believe if voting right is as party based, passionate type of issue. I ain't looking for Republicans. Now we're looking for Republicans because. We can't use um, budgetary gimmicks to pass these type of bills because it's not a budget bill. Right. So you actually need 60 votes. So we do care about Republicans. But the Democrats will, will, like, will actually like to kill the filibuster and pass this. Because if you kill the filibuster and pass this Voting Rights Act, you actually equal the playing field. Because now all those bills that, that Republicans are passed or think of passing are inadequate and are um, void. But question is, question is, what does man? I always say like this: What does Mansion and Cinema think they gain from this? Because if I'm Cinema, right, you don't do this, right? Because you say you got red people in your, in, in, you got red people that just um, you got red based supporters who will vote against you if you pass this bill, right? But you don't pass this bill, and you lose your election. Was it worth it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, was it like, like? If you're sticking up for this person, thinking that he's not going to stab you, but they end up stabbing you, was it worth it when you could have just like removed them entirely? It's just so weird. I just, I don't know the whole playing the fence thing, especially as a, uh, you know, Joe Manchin's situation is a little different. I understand yeah. like a Democrat in West Virginia is one thing, but like you said, cinema, who. I mean, all her opposition in Arizona is extremely right-wing, um, almost demagogues, right? Like, mm-hmm. your assumption, her assumption is that if I don't piss these folks who are prone to voting for these MAGA Trump types, if I don't piss them off, they'll vote for me or they'll support me. I'm not sure where that line of thinking comes from. Me either. Is it? Is it? I think it's it a wrong. Logic. I don't know. Yeah, because if these people are voting Republican, right? Then why would they vote for you? Unless you know you try to double flip to show like you're moderate. But if the base has gone so far right to the point where a moderate Republican doesn't feel at home, like Liz Cheney, 
is it worth is it worth it? You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. So exactly, that's what it exactly what like. It, unless you, I don't know. I I feel like maybe there's some long game. Maybe she's trying to position herself for something different in the future. I could see that with Liz Cheney. I could see Liz Cheney trying to make a run or a bid for the Republican nomination at a later time. Um, Mm-hmm. But cinema, I'm not sure what her long game would be, bro. Um, yeah, the posturing has to has to uh, kind of lend itself to an end. That with her, I'm not exactly sure what that is. So, otherwise, in in the no, meantime, we just you know we live under the the threat of the filibuster at all times, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. And it's funny because I was a I I was a, a supporter. I wasn't saying I was just supporter, but I was an understanding of the filibuster. But now thinking about it, you know, reading this history and just looking at it now, I'm not a fan. Because I'm not a fan, because I'm gonna be honest with you. If Republicans got 51 votes, I think they will call the filibuster today. That's without you doubt, know. like None of us doubts that. Everything that they say that they need in order to, to that they tell Democrats or warn against doing it's because they know that they will do it. Not that they would, but that they will do it when they get the chance. Um, yeah. I will say that I'm not afraid to call that bluff because mm, Republic, Republicans don't govern. Um the mm-hmm. most of their like policy positions are wildly unpopular and they would be i think more afraid of passing like wildly unpop- unpopular legislation unless they could assure that it wouldn't affect them um in an electoral like context sure. so like okay the filibuster is gone like what are republicans going to do like lower the minimum wage um <laughs> They're not going to, you know, repeat, like, pass legislation that bans abortion. They're not going to do any of that shit. Like, we're honestly, we're living hell, we're being held hostage. Like, there's a vast majority of people support a democratic, quasi-liberal agenda. But, unfortunately, this quote-unquote bipartisanship. Is no, I, 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 I agree with him. Talking about um Arizona, yeah. Uh, this past week, LeBron James, King James, what some people call the goat, was knocked out by the Phoenix Suns <laughs> in the first round. His first first round loss, fifteen playoff appearance. LeBron James is fourteen and one. In the first round, um, to be honest with you, I think the Suns was always gonna be a tough matchup. I personally think Chris Paul. I always thought that Chris Paul had a chance to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Phoenix Suns because of two reasons: one, because the Phoenix Suns is a young team, but they are a better team than the young team they had of OKC, and we saw what he did with OKC in the bubble. Two, mm-hmm. I talked about I talked about Devin Brooker with you for the past three years. My man is finally ready to be a superstar. He's tired of just collecting checks. He wants his name, you know, into on the media at ESPN talking about 
is he one of the best? And I think he showed it. I think he's showing it. And then I just think, to me, people are coming at LeBron James. I personally think my blame is more at Anthony Davis more than anybody Mm -hmm. because we knew LeBron couldn't be number one in L.A. for all the four years. This is what Anthony Davis was brought for. Younger, he could do, you know, he was one of the best big, tall players out there, best forwards out there. And he was brought to become that number one, or LeBron becomes number two. And I feel like last season in the bubble, it worked with LeBron being number one and Anthony Davis being number two. But we all knew Father Tom's going to come with LeBron and that this year was technically supposed to be that transition where Anthony Davis shows that he's number one. And I think he failed to show that. And I blame... Do I blame front office? Because the question is, should have they known that Anthony Davis is injury prone and they should have brought a third superstar? I don't know. What do you think? Third superstar? I mean, I am 100% with you. Everything I think you said it was correct. Um, the expectation was that LeBron is getting up there. We need him to have backup or really even play backup to a young and emerging star. They went out of their way. They went all in and put, you know, all the chips in for AD. Um, I don't think it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a media story, right? It's a narrative. LeBron knocked out of the first round. But, you know, we act like like greats. I mean, obviously, I don't think anyone sees this as a knock to LeBron, but um, maybe our expectations of this Laker team was a little bit overinflated. I think this was a better team than, uh, in some ways, than the team that was actually won in, in the bubble. Uh, there was a lot of great additions. And I really, for me, bruh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of Frank Vogel. So I'm not, I don't mind laying this at his feet. Uh, yeah, Anthony Davis, he's an injury prone player. Um, but this was also a very short off season mm-hmm. between last year's bubble and the beginning of the season. Uh, I have a hard time, man. I have a really hard time speaking to injuries and player responsibility. You know, um, obviously we expect more from AD, but how much you know i i ha- i don't know what his preparation is like i don't know what we know obviously know like someone like lebron who has invested like a ton into his body into his conditioning making sure that he is in top shape like this is one of the first years in a long time that he missed like extended time because of an injury and um with other players we don't know what sort of preparation goes into their their conditioning and stuff and also just how much of um, their injuries, you can attribute to that type of preparation versus, you know, their just the way that their bodies are made up or their genetics and shit, and shit like that. So um, I, I'm not sure that I can lay too much blame on Davis uh, in that regard, but I do feel like um, the, the Lakers knew what they were getting in the player. Uh, I don't think they need another superstar. I think that the supporting cast is more than capable of helping that team uh, win games. Montrez Harrell came in, former six man. Marcus Schroeder. Um, 
we should we should be expecting more out of that overall cast. Kuzma, you know what I mean? KCP. It's just there's a it's, there's there's a, a bit much. Maybe maybe you need another person who can put up points consistently. I agree, but um, if LeBron is doing what he's he's doing, uh, and the other players are are contributing and you have good game management and coaching then i think that you should be able to to see it out but also like i said it was a short off season that phoenix suns team is very good it was just it's just a better they were just better than the lakers man <laughs> just better than the lakers uh i'm not sure uh what else could have really been done you know obviously we see what a big part some of these players who uh, go down with injuries, how much they contribute to their team. Because we saw it was kind of like a seesaw. CP3, we thought he might be hurt, and we weren't sure about his status for a little bit. And that's when the Lakers showed some signs of life as well with Anthony Davis coming back in, even not being 100%, still contributing in a massive way in those couple of games that he was able to, that they were able to win. So. I'm not sure, I man. You know, I think that they got a few more years. Uh, I shit, I don't know if the Lakers got if this Lakers team has another championship in them. But let AD rest. I think you know what I'm saying. Let him get back 100. Hopefully, he can. You know, I'm not sure if you know bulking up or anything like that is really what he needs. Uh, but there are probably folks more knowledgeable about that than I am. So, do I think the Lakers have another shot of winning the championship with LeBron and still on the team? I want to, I could say, I say no because, you know, I think age, father time, I feel like this might be, the, I think we are seeing, I think this first round exit is the beginning of LeBron, LeBron's decline as the number one. I'm not saying he's not good, but as the number one player on the, on the team. But then again, I thought the Lakers didn't have a shot winning the championship last year and they won it. And then, you know, LeBron walked out. On he walked out five minutes in one of the games, and I was like, "Oh yeah, people are getting traded." So you know, <laughs> LeBron might have another chance at it. I just, to me, if anything, LeBron's first round exit to me one it shows that it's crazy that he had a fourteen and old record prior coming into this. A fourteen and old record. How many greats do you know got a fourteen and old? Entering what this sixteen for seventeen year into the league, right. like not many, and to me, it just shows like how well this man has devoted himself to his body into the game to stay on top for all those years, you know, you know. So I think to me, with the Lakers and LeBron, I I don't think it's a bad thing. If anything, LeBron got his four championship, he got his mm-hmm. Finals MVPs, like. He doesn't need to prove nothing to nobody. Not this whole can't get more than Jordan. Like, you've done it all. It's okay. You know, if this decline starts to decline as you as a number one, if this decline just begins as you as just as a, an elite basketball player, it doesn't matter. You are about to turn 37. Be honest, you're supposed to be retired right now. Like, it is, like it's okay. If anything, for me, this game means more to Chris Paul. He's been unlucky mm-hmm. with injuries entering every playoff. This man wants to win a ring or at least touch being into the finals. So for me, mm-hmm. I'm glad Chris Paul got his win. I'm thinking 
I personally think the Phoenix Suns will make it to the finals. I just believe in Chris Paul like that. Um, I know you talked to me about, you know, the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell is crazy out there. You know, the Clippers are still in it, you know, even though they have forced a game seven with the Dallas Mavericks. But I just, to me, I just see this as the Phoenix blowout year for future to come. I think Chris Paul, he doesn't win anything. He has taught the Phoenix Suns about being a winning team and creating that winning culture. Uh, you know, hats off for sure to the Suns for finally, for really over time, building a squad that could be respected. And what a year that they've had. I mean, I hope that, like you said, I agree. I hope Chris Paul sniffs the NBA Finals. I hope he he comes within, you know, at least plays in, in the in the series. Um, do I like them to come out of the West? Um, I think I do. Uh, the Jazz are still real good. The Nuggets are still really good, but um, he's a flood. He's a flood general, bro. Um, yeah. It's an X, it's X factor that you can't really uh, you cannot really quantify that his leadership. Um, but yeah, you know it's a it's still a lot of good basketball. Like you said, uh, the Clippers and and Mavs game seven that's actually going on right now. Uh, the Clippers are up by two in third quarter. Um, but otherwise, uh, I think there's still a lot of good basketball to be played. You know, obviously the, they're going to be missing LeBron. They're going to be missing Steph Curry, but there's, it's a chance for like another set of superstars to establish themselves. And, um, you know, I don't think it's that big a deal. I think I liked the Lakers to go and on and win the whole thing this year. That was kind of who I had picked, but that's gone up in my bracket. <laughs> my bracket obviously is in flames. So. You know, uh, shout out to the Suns. You know, that's cool. I have the Bucks winning it, but man, watching the Bucks and Nets game, the Bucks were competitive, but it's just the Nets is like, to me, for the Bucks, it's just really like they have everything defensively, they have everything gunned down. They just don't have consistent shooters. Just watching the Bucks, the Bucks. Nets, I mean, yeah, like they just don't have consistent shooters. And that's their downfall because James Harden went out, like, I think in the first half. You thought okay. He went out in the first, in the first minute of the first of the game, and you thought, oh, the Bucks have a chance. Kyrie and Durant still pulled that win. Like to me, it's yeah. just like it's gonna be tough for the Bucks. It's gonna be tough for the Bucks. Um, um, watching that game yesterday, I, yeah, watching that game yesterday, yeah. Uh, Harden went out real early. Um, it obviously didn't make a difference. Uh, KD and Kyrie did their thing, but also like Blake Griffin. I don't know if you were able to watch. Like Griffin was doing everything in terms of um, just bringing energy. Niggas were like, this man was obviously playing dead in Detroit because he he was doing shit that you hadn't seen him do in years until he showed up in Brooklyn. Uh, but yeah, he put in a shift. He put in a shift for them yesterday. He wound up following out, but like his hustle points and uh, the amount of just like uh, energy he was bringing, you know, fighting for loose balls. Um, active on defense and stuff, and getting to the hoop as well. Um, he was doing everything for them. He really stepped up. Um, Brooklyn, I mean Milwaukee. Maybe I wasn't, you know, <laughs> I'm not. I wasn't seeing their defense because they were putting to get. They were making some. I mean, nah, they were pretty inconsistent as far as shooting, like you said. But um, they also had a hard time containing Brooklyn uh, at all. Um, 
it's just I just I just want a small I actually want a small team to win it. I feel like the past what four a small market years, team. Yeah, we had like the Bay Area, Toronto, and LA win. I feel like we need a small market. Cleveland, Cleveland won less than five years. It's been five years. Yeah. That was LeBron James winning it. I want like a team That's a small market team. That's a small market you know, team. Miami's not a small market. Hell no. Does Miami sound like a small market team? Like celebrities go there. It might not I mean be it's a party big. city, but it's not a big it's not like that's not like a huge basketball market, I wouldn't. I think it is. I think it's a big market. I think it's a big free agency market. So all right, what I mean I want a team that's not a big free agency market team to win. Okay. You know, because the Philadelphia Sixers are still in it and the Philadelphia is a big market. But you know, okay. I always say Philly always act like it's a small market in all their sports, which I don't know why. But um yeah, it's because it's a blue collar city, or they got a blue collar identity. Something about Pennsylvania, all yeah. those sports teams kind of have that. They share that type of thing. But if the Bucks don't come out, if the Bucks lose, the Nets is winning the whole thing. But if the Bucks lose, I want the Suns to win it. But if the Bucks lose, the Nets are winning the whole thing. I think the Nets. From who's left, the Nets are my pick to win the whole thing. Yeah, they, they, they. Everything just says is them. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. KD really said, "Let me go to Brooklyn, recreate the Eastern Coast version of the Warriors." That's what he really did. Just surrounded <laughs> by people. Really I think did. you know. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, uh, and that's because his whole first year he was on the sideline, on the bench, recovering. Yeah. So this is his first year, even yep. playing. Um. Yep. They're a good squad, bro. I'm sick. I was sick when Harden left, but it's been so good to see him play Florida. free, play a different kind of ball, facilitate only, like, and yep. really get to the hoop and score when he has to. Like, yep. seeing a variation of his of his game has been super dope. It came at the expense of the Rockets, man, but that we were <laughs> – our time with him had come to a close. You know, it, it is what it is. Uh but kind of shifting gears from NBA playoffs and into some other sports talk, there's a big sporting event tonight. Uh, y'all, by the time anyone is listening to this, the fight will have been passed. So this is all just speculative talk. Hopefully we are speaking to <laughs> a, a, a Floyd Mayweather victory. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about uh, Floyd Mayweather and Logan. Is it Logan Paul or Jake? I don't know which of them. I think that's really Logan fight. Paul. It's Logan. Logan Paul. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's the one who fought Nate. Nate Robinson. Yes. Jake Paul is the one that fought Nate Robinson. Yeah. Jake Paul is the one that fought so Nate Robinson. Paul, yeah. Jake Paul is the one that I think everybody knows has, has been more in the media. And Logan Paul is the brother that's more quiet. That I've heard that Logan Paul has okay. actually been more involved into the boxing scene. Um, that's my, my understanding. My only thing about this boxing the whole thing about this boxing is one thing. Do you think celebrity boxing, you know, harms the sport? Does it harm the mm-hmm. people who has take boxing as a career? You got Logan Paul already getting in a fight with Floyd Mayweather, who he doesn't have like twenty fights his name, about to make over hundred millions off the fight. And two, right. So Logan Paul wait, I think came in as a weight as one ninety. And um, uh-huh. 
Floyd Mayweather that came in as 150. That's two different weight classes. So are we seeing like the goneness of weight classes in these type of fights? You know, you know, middleweight no, heavyweights. To your second question, nah. To your second question, no. I think this is just an exhibition match. Uh, mm-hmm. It's purely entertainment. I think folks should understand that. But to your first question, the answer is absolutely yes. Celebrity fighting is, to me, doing damage to the sport of boxing and combat sports generally. Um, of course, why, who, who is Logan and Jake Paul to be getting hundreds of millions of dollars fighting arguably the best fighter of a generation? You, I mean, yeah, I understand that he's been training. He wants to be serious about fighting as a boxer and stuff, but you know, your previous fights were against like who, but I mean, like I said, it's purely entertainment value. Um, That is on the decline of boxing and stuff. That's on, on the promoters and uh, the folks and like the, um, the networks, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all are not putting money into actually the folks who are working their entire lives to get to the top of the sport and earn their way to to the get those highest accolades but you know it's been in decline for a minute it's been like this for i mean it almost feels inevitable it's kind of weird and a little bit like strange for us to indulge because i'm definitely about to watch the fight (laughs) you watching the fight i don't know i'm whatever pay-per-view i got to do or maybe you know Get my illegal stream on. It is what it is. I'm, I'm gonna figure it uh, out one way though. I can't. I gotta go to bed. This fight gonna happen at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> this is true, but this is true. You know, I can't. I, I would just hate for it to be something entertaining and me miss it. So yeah. I gotta see. In regards to your decline of boxing, and it's funny because people talk about this with UFC. UFC is very centralized, right? So you you see the best fighters fighting each other in UFC, but it's centralized. And their component, and so the play, the fighters don't make as much, um, doesn't make as much as the boxing, right? But in boxing, mm-hmm. it's decentralized. So with the decentralized, you don't get the best of the best fighting each other, you know, like the whole Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Everybody wanted to see that for what the past three years, they ducking each other. I won't say they ducking right. each other, but their lawyers and their promoters are like angling. It's like Look, man, if you got just find a location and fight, we want to see it. But it's more of like right. how much money putting up. By the time you see it, it's like they were like 40 years old. It's like the Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. I'm not saying that was a good fight, but imagine if we had them when they were much younger. Right. What would that be like? You know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know mm-hmm. where boxing goes. I think boxing is popular. I do I think it's declined. I do I think it has declined in a way. I think it's seeing a resurgence. But I think it still has the issue that everybody has with it is that we don't get to see the best fighters fight each other in their prime. You know, they fight like five years later when they're on their decline or where, you know, they're not what they're not in their prime prime, but they're still like they're in their late prime, not in their mid prime, you know, because we get into Anthony Joshua and mm-hmm. what's his name fight? Um, The big guy who beat Deontay Wilder. Uh, I don't know why. To get Tyson Fury. Yeah, Tyson Fury, we get in that. But, like, you know, I think that's still going to be a good fight. And, you know, Andy Joshua is still young. Tyson Fury is a little bit older. 
But what happened if we had that a little bit younger in the game, you know, two years mm-hmm. ago, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, what happened if we had Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua three years ago when Deontay Wilder didn't get bullied by Tyson Fury to the point, I don't think Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua should fight because of what I right. found that fight. You know, I just think UFC, because of the centralization, you get to see the best fight each other. But because of that centralization, they control how much people make, where in boxing is different. So there's pros and cons to each, but, you know, I just, to me, I just feel sorry for the young boxers out there with this Floyd and Logan fight because, you know, who's Logan to come in and get this 100 mil? There's a lot of young boxers who wants to fight Floyd, especially young people who are in Floyd's weight class, you know, that would love to fight Floyd. You know, he's one of the best in the game. For him to come out to fight Logan at this age, at age 40, he's, that's confidence to say, I still got it. So if I'm like a young boxer, I'm like, why are you fighting Logan? I want to fight you, bro. Like, you still got it. I want to go at the champ. I want to go at the <laughs> no, That's because that Floyd isn't making any money fighting one of these young guns trying to make his name. First of all, Floyd is retired, right? Yeah. And he's only coming out. He's also a very shrewd businessman. People don't understand. Floyd is only coming out for a certain bag. And these YouTube boys are bringing a bag with them. All these fights are generating revenue. And Floyd is going to get in on that if it's available to him. But if they, if, if he's not, first, and like I said, he's retired. Like the last time he fought too, he fought some like kickboxer. Yeah. Some Japanese kickboxer, right? Who was like not a boxer at all. He beat that dude one round, but they were yeah. bagging it for him. So, you know, uh, for Floyd, it's no longer about he's given what he's given to the sport is essentially what I'm trying to say. Um, unfortunately, with him, he also brings a bag. And so him not being a part of competitive boxing anymore is a huge blow uh, to those folks who would want to see their name in lights, and who want to be able to contend for big, big purses, big titles and big fights. Um, unfortunately, we're not getting that synergy right now. Boxing doesn't have, at least in those lower weight classes anyway, right? Like yeah. Floyd doesn't have anyone who came up after him. Um, you know, there was a Canelo fight a couple weeks ago that was very good, really entertaining. Uh, but it seems like we are, we're real light on stars yeah. uh, and characters in boxing who, who are actually bring in the potential to earn and that folks want to actually watch and see. And I want to say two things about I want to say two things what you just said too about that. Um, I will say this: I I want Floyd to win. I I like I like his boxing style. You know, Floyd is the reason why I've learned that boxing. You know, boxers like to say that MMA is not is is not a sports science fight. It's just bloody is a blood sport. While boxing, there's an art to it. There's a science to it. There's mm-hmm. a method to it. And I've talked to people because I go to the UFC gym. You know, is is it's a it's a MMA gym, but there's they teach boxing class, and they will tell you that boxing is an art because mm-hmm. you know you are limited in the way how you are. You know, you can't really open up your body in boxing mm-hmm. compared to MMA. But um, I am concerned in the sense that Logan Paul is very tall, and Paul is competing for Mayweather. And he is heavier. He, I said he came in at 190 and Floyd came at 155. So just in sense of like a boxing point of view, because I see, we did see this before with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. 
But Tyson mm-hmm. Fury came in heavier than Deontay Wilder, so his punches landed heavy. You know, mm-hmm. the space for Deontay to move out was very difficult for him to, because I said boxing is very enclosed. It's very difficult for Deontay to come out of Tyson Fury's space. So mm-hmm. to me, my concern with Floyd is that you're not facing, like I said, you're not facing somebody who is in your weight class. This is he looks Logan right. is like technically heavyweight or about below that. So like, can he handle that? Can he handle the dodge? And now your punches, because he has reach, you don't compared to him. So you have to get a little bit closer to his body to throw some punches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And two, on your on your topic about stars, when we talk about stars, are we saying that we're not seeing more black stars in boxing? Because I see a lot of Latino stars in the game. Like the guy, on, I don't know his name, but he's a Latino kid from California, San Diego, who always on social media that shows like how fast he can throw a punch. Um. I was just re- referencing stars generally, not yeah. necessarily black. Yeah, not nah, because like I, I referenced Canelo. Canelo is, I mean, a white Mexican man. Uh, yeah, who that fight in Dallas the a couple of, last month was a huge drop. That place was full. Yeah, he's. I would definitely say he's probably. I think a lot of folks would consider him pound for pound the best boxer in the world right now. Yeah, you know, but at I least don't... in this class. Yeah, but I will say this: we got a good celebrity fight. We got any. I think any fight with Floyd Mayweather is always interesting. You know, yeah. <laughs> and he, he puts on a show, bro. Yeah, he knows how to do it. You know, I always say like Floyd, like Muhammad Ali, no, Mike, um, Mike Tyson, know what to give the audience what they want. They want that braggadocious, and for you to go onto the um, ring and show your intelligence. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah, he's braggadocious. You might think you could beat him when he's on the ring. You see the intelligence that he displays in his boxing skills. The way he punches, he's not just punching just to punch. There's an art to it. There's a, there's a science to it. There's a math to it. Um, mm-hmm. But I am glad. I will say this. The biggest news to me out of boxing is that we actually get an Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. Um, it might come later this year or early next year. I'm actually glad for that because we are getting a merger of the championship. So um, while boxing does, we don't know what Boxing is an is an interesting place because sport wise is as big as ever, but not as big as ever. But society wise, you see a lot of boxer gyms popping up. You know, boutique boxing gyms coming popping all over the place, especially in gentrified areas. Um, so, I think this matches. I think, in a sense of giving the fans interest, I think Floyd versus Logan is interesting, and I think people do like to see with the rise of UFC and then boxing still holds such a culture. In our hearts, I think people do like to mm-hmm. see that clash of like boxers versus MMA. Who who will win? You know, you know. But we're gonna see what happens tonight, man. You know, looking forward to it, man. Hopefully, yeah. we get this out before the before the. Actually, no, it's tonight, so there's no way. But anyway, hope y'all enjoyed the fight. Those of y'all yeah. who did watch it, uh, by the time this comes out, um. Before we wrap up, bro, uh, tell me what is what, what you've been watching, what you've been listening to, where can the people find you, bro? Um, so I've been watching this show called Startup on Netflix. Now it is about a startup company, but it's not what you think in the sense of like it's not like the HBO Silicon Valley show is very crime oriented in the sense that uh, a white guy from South Beach, his father launders money, gives him money because the cops are after him. He invested in this gen cryptocurrency startup 
that this Latino woman, Cuban woman, built in her backyard in her mom's garage. And one of the money that was used in the startup belonged to a Haitian gang who at the beginning wanted his, wanted his money back, but seeing the life that he's growing up in Little Haiti, wants to like invest that money so he can help his community and the, and have the Haitians come up because they're facing, you know, enemies from the African-Americans in Overtown, the Dominicans, the Puerto Ricans, while at the same time the cops are trying to find this dirty money. And they're teaming up with venture capitalists who are also dirty, who's also on the FBI watch list. So it's a it's an interesting show. Mm. I like it. Um it's my type of show. I like I like cops and robbers with complexity. You know, it it, it gives great storytelling. So that's what I'm watching right now. <clears throat> that's what's up, man. Uh I just wanna give a big shout out to HBO Max. I gotta say, I think that's the <laughs> toughest and the best streaming service that there is that you could pay for with money. <laughs> it is so great, man. Uh, for me, someone who loves my comic book content, my DC, um, you know, animated series and films, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, they have a ton of the Christopher Nolan films out there right now. Tenet is on there. Um, the Dark Knight Rises, which hasn't been on any streaming service for a long time, is back on HBO Max. And I also love adult animation. They have the whole Adult Swim lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is on there. Bro. I get my life up on HBO Max, man. Like I can rewatch Game of Thrones. Uh, the Tina Turner documentary I just watched was real was really really great. I know I just talked to you about that not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything, man, it, it, it's dope. I love it. The Rush, the Rush Hour series, I'm pretty sure, is all on there. HBO Max has everything, man. That's I, I've been feeling like that's it for me for a long time, and I feel like I got to declare it to the world. HBO Max, that's the top number one streaming service. Fuck with me, HBO Max. Give me a check. I was going to say, they just got bigger, too, because Warner Brothers just got bought by Discovery, so mm, more content's going right. to come through. You know, so, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I respect the lawyers who made money off that merger and acquisition deals with Discovery. Look, and trying to figure out how to get some. So I'm trying to get there too. But oh, Alrighty, good episode, man! Always a pleasure. Double digits, man. We we make we making it, bro. We out here, out here, Benin boys, Benin boys to the moon, like they said, Benin boys <laughs> to the moon, to the moon. Yo, all right, bro. Until next time, everybody. It's been fun. It's yeah. been fun. We'll catch y'all on the next one, man. Stay up. Yeah. Stay up. Cause the doctor said I burnt my liver. I've been drinking, smoking cigars. Used to sing and play my